Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, who is in heaven, who has the name that is above every name, and at the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we should all bow. We thank You for the power that is in that name, and we thank You that You've revealed that name to us, and we thank You that You share that name with us, Your children. And Father, we ask that Your kingdom would come right now in in new and fresh ways because You're here with us. And we ask that Your power would be here through the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of Your Word, that God, we will not forget Your benefits because You're here reminding us of the amazing benefits of being under Your Word and being loved by the King. And so Jesus, come and come with power. Open up our ears to hear not not my foolish words, but Your powerful, life-changing words. Spirit, shine into the darkness of our minds so that we could understand what does it mean for us to to live a life of prayer. Father, it's all about the heart. So would You give us a heart of faith today? Would You give us a heart that that believes in Jesus as Savior and a heart of obedience? Would You, because You love us, would You drive out that crusty part of our sinful heart and break it lovingly so it beats for You? Holy Spirit, because we're here and we're praying in the triune God's name, would You empower us to walk out of here with a heart that's filled with love, overflowing, brimming with love for You because You are just filled and overflowing with love for us, which is just amazing and fantastic that the God who is could love so deeply and richly and powerfully that it changes us from the inside out. May that love be tangibly present today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we begin this morning, jumping right off notes, got to tell you a story I just heard before the service. A couple was leaving church. The husband complaining about the sermon. Can you believe that sermon? That was terrible. It was awful. What is that guy thinking? The wife hardly hears because she's chiming in about this music. Can you believe that music? It was awful. It was off key. Way too loud. Way too contemporary. Way too whatever. And their kid speaks up and says, what did you expect for a dollar? Did you get it? Come on. That was funnier than that. And that was good. All right. Jim Fix. Jim Fix came along in the 70s and gave us a fitness craze that America still in a little bit is underneath that uh, fitness craze, that trying to become fit that he really helped lead us to because in 1977, Jim Fix wrote a New York Times best-selling book that was the best-selling book for 11 straight weeks on the New York Times bestseller list in 77. It was this. The Complete Guide to Running. So obviously at that time, we're very interested. 11-week run, uh, America starts to realize that it's important for us to be in shape. As a matter of fact, Jim Fix would preach what he called a gospel that the active life is the long life. If you live an active life, you're going to live longer. 
Jim Fix died of a heart attack on his daily run when he was 52 years old. A little bit ironic, isn't it? It really isn't necessarily the active life that promotes a long life. It's a healthy heart that promotes a long life. Autopsies report that he had an amazingly clogged heart. All that exercise, all those things, several books that he's written, living that active life, his heart failed him. We're on a sacred journey, Orangewood. We're on a sacred journey because we believe that a spiritually strong heart is what God is calling us by His grace to develop so that we can live a life that's pleasing to God. We're in our second week of this journey together, this spiritual exercise where we're looking at spiritual disciplines, asking God this, God, create in us a clean heart. Create in us a new heart. Give us a spiritually disciplined heart. Give us a a spiritually healthy heart so that we can live a life worthy of the Gospel. We have to know that naturally by ourselves, we don't have a spiritually healthy heart. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that we're born with a stone-cold heart. That before we even begin, we don't need to begin with having spiritual disciplines. We need to begin this whole journey with a new heart. A heart, what Scripture calls a heart of flesh. A heart of faith. And this most gracious God is the one who gives us this new heart. So wherever you are on the journey, for some of you, it's going to be, do you have a spiritual heart at all? And for some of us who have been Christians, who by God's grace have been pulled into His family, have been given a new heart, a new identity in Christ Jesus, the challenge for us is are we growing that spiritually blessed, healthy heart? Last week we looked at Sabbath. Is Sabbath a spiritual discipline in our lives to create a a Sabbath heart for God? A heart that rests on who God is and what Christ has done. A heart that believes that God has given us a pattern for living. And many of us today who were here last week are trying to experience that even today. God developing us a a Sabbath heart. And we also today will be looking at prayer. God developing us a praying heart. A healthy heart. There's two points today. You want to follow along in your bulletin, you may. Uh, The first one is this. The call to cultivate a praying heart. And the second one is the spiritual blindness that blocks a praying heart. And we're going to look at the two passages that Danielle read. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. By the way, if someone ever challenges you to memorize Scripture, that's a good one. Pray without ceasing. You could probably come up with that one, can't you? Either that or Jesus wept. Those are two you can just get right away. Um, all right, so we're going to look at that one, uh, pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians 5.17. And then we're going to look at this spiritual blessing, blindness, of what blocks our praying heart through the Lord's prayer. The first thing is this, the call to cultivate a praying heart. What in the world was Paul talking about as he's wrapping up his letter 
to the church at Thessalonica when he gives them some uh, exhortations. And by the way, the exhortation, the command of God, right before he says, pray without ceasing, he's going to tell them, rejoice without ceasing, live a life of joy before the Lord, be thrilled with what God has given to you in Christ Jesus, no matter how you find yourself or where you find yourself. And by the way, if you want to have a joyful life, a life that has spiritual health to it, you have to have a life of prayer. You have to be praying without ceasing. So today we're going to look at developing a prayer life. But really, according to Paul, according to Scripture, according to Jesus in Luke 18.1, where he says that we are to not grow weary in praying, but continually praying, It's it's not developing a prayer life. Really what God is calling us is develop a life of prayer. That our life should be lived in such a way that our life is a prayer, a conversation to Him. For those of us who love Jesus and we're in the reform camp because we got it right, we love John Calvin. Supposed to be a little bit of laugh there, but we do love John Calvin. Amazing man who uh, lived in the early 16th century. Uh, Calvin said this is his banner of life, of his living. And this amazing theologian, this amazing man of God says, I offer you my heart, Lord, promptly and sincerely. Really, at the core of this issue, when, when God is calling us to have a, a life of prayer or to pray without ceasing, is this. Offer your heart continually to God. That is what it means to have a life of prayer or prayer without ceasing. The Greek word that we translate continually does not mean some sort of nonstop life of prayer where we're not doing nothing but praying. I mean, God is smarter than that. He knows that we have to go through other activities that we're not to be completely 24-7 on our knees in prayer. But it's this, one commentator says this, rather implies constantly recurring prayer. And I love the description. Is this your life? Growing out of of a settled attitude of dependence upon God. Whether words are uttered or not. I love that. A life of prayer, whether words are uttered or not. It's a lifting our heart to God. While one is occupied in miscellaneous duties, that's the vital thing. It's basically saying this, that we see that God has given us by great grace a relationship with Him through Christ Jesus. And now that our whole life should be lifting our hearts to God. It means this. It means waking up in the morning and saying, God, thank You for a new day. Your Word says that today is new. And because it's new, You have mercies that are new today. Great is Your faithfulness today. God, I may not see it. I may live my life today and wonder, where are you and what are you doing and have you forgotten me? But your word promises me and your son has secured and your Holy Spirit is reminding me, great is your faithfulness. Wake up in the morning and say, God, thank you for this day. Begin with breakfast saying, God, thank you for this meal. Thank you for how you provide for me. And as you go to work and you do your daily activities, continually be lifting your heart up to God saying, thank you for the gifts and abilities you've given me. Thank you for the community you've put me in. Sometimes you may have to say it through grit in your teeth because you don't really like them or you don't like the work. But it's seeing God in all that you do. It's continually lifting your heart to God because of your family for the good parts and for the bad parts. 
It's every moment of your day and a conversation with God who is. It's walking with Him. It's talking to Him. It's continually murmuring in your heart saying, God, help. God, come near. God, be present. All of your life should be continual prayer before God. You want to know the good news is? God wants your life that way. I mean, sometimes you got to admit, someone wants to continue to talk to us, it's a little irritating. You ever shut up? Can your needs ever stop? You know, can I just be by myself for a while? Can I just have a little quiet time? But isn't it great that our God says, no, here's how I want you to live your life. In communion with me. In conversation with me. In fellowship with me. Listen, wherever you are, I want to be a part. I am a part. I want you to acknowledge that. Developing a life of prayer. God is not calling us to develop five minutes in the morning to say some things to him before we start our day. God is not calling us to bow our head and say, God is great, God is good, let him thank us for the food and forget about it. Did you ever wonder what we teach our kids, by the way? I'm getting ahead of myself, but you ever thought about that prayer we taught our kids to pray before they go to bed? It kind of scares me. (laughs) Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I shall die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. Jesus loves you, honey. There you go. Isn't that nice? Talk to him that way. We got to teach our kids from the earliest moment that life is a conversation with a father that we call God, a God that we call Father. And we're to be communing with him And as as we read this morning, that God's not interested in in some certain prayers. And he's not interested in doing it for show. He's basically saying, get away by yourself. Come and talk to me. Now, that's that's the first thing is there, is the cultivating a heart of prayer, is really cultivating a prayer life. The second thing is this, the spiritual blindness that blocks a praying heart. So we're going to look at this a little bit in the negative today. Really, what is it? What is it that stops us from doing that? What is it? And I think that as Americans, Western Christians, there's a lot of things that tend to block our spiritual arteries. And we're going to look at some of those today. And amazingly, that autopsy revealed, and and here's Jim Fix, who was found dead by the side of the road with his running shoes on, who just in his morning run, and when when they finally got to his heart, he said, my goodness, Almost every artery was like completely clogged or almost completely clogged with plaque and cholesterol. And somehow he missed it. Somehow the warning signs. He, he had a father who died of heart disease. I mean, he had all these things that he might have been able to monitor in his life and he just blew by it. He thought, I'm okay. I'm out running every day. I'm on my daily walk. I'm on my daily jog. And boom, he's done. I think as Christians, oftentimes, we don't stop enough to say, how is our spiritual hearts? How are we before God? Are they clogged? Are they filled with plaque and cholesterol and things that would keep us from having a healthy heart? Because God wants to bless us today with a heart that flows from Him. And He wants to reveal to us where we have blindness on the issues that really keep us from that praying heart. Here we go. First one is this. We don't see God as a person. So when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says this, start off this way. Beautiful. Our Father. 
Now, we've all heard the Lord's Prayer enough that so it sounds very familiar to us, but do you know how radical it was for those religious folks in Jesus' day, especially the Jewish descent, to call God Father? I mean, that's, that's, that's almost seemed irreverent to them, you know? And, and what an amazing thing to be able to call the God of the universe. And listen, if nothing else, let's just stop for a minute and think what Jesus just said to us. He says, I want you to call the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to call the omniscient one who knows all things. I want you to call the omnipresent one who is everywhere. I want you to call the omnipotent one who has all authority in heaven and earth. I want you to call the eternal one. I want you to call the great I am. I want you to call mighty God who right now somehow is holding up all the cosmos. I want you to call the one who created time Father. What an amazing title. What amazing access do we see God as person. Call Him Father. We have the privilege that through the Son, we pray in Jesus' name through the, to the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we realize that, that there is one true God. There's three persons. That God is a personal God. He is a person. Three persons in one. And we need to have a conversation with Him. I really believe that most of the time we pray, we don't, we don't picture a, a person. It's a thing. It's, it, it's a far away. It's a force. And, and listen, I think what God is calling us to is that when He says, pray our Father, is that this is a personal matter. Make, make your prayers personal. Talk to a friend. Talk to a father. Father is how we would address Him. With the Father comes this. It comes boldness and intimacy. If you address... if, if, if as a child, you were brought into the family, you were born in that family, you are adopted in that family. What do you have access to the Father? You have great boldness. I mean, a child can ask anything from you because why? They're, they're a child of yours. They have full access to the refrigerator. I mean, they, they, they have this holy boldness. Hey, Dad, can I do this? Uh, can I do that? I mean, they have the right. Why? Because they're a child. They have this great intimacy. You know, and I'm so glad that uh, when you think of Father, how does God want us to see ourselves? Think about this. If He wants us to call Him Father, what does He want us to view of ourselves? Child, right? Definitely not teenager. (laughs) Because all of a sudden, He doesn't become cool, and you don't talk to Him anymore, and you have to park way away from your friends. A child. I just can't get out of my mind just, the, just how without guile children are. I mean, they, they, they have no problem holding on to dad's hand. Don't you love those days? They have, they have no problem with just intimacy and tenderness and saying the craziest things to dad. Because they have full access. And listen, that, that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to come and just grab hold of his hand and, and just be in love and without guile and and somehow we become spiritual teenagers where it's just kind of stiff and awkward and I'm a little bit embarrassed. I can't tell you, you know, one of the greatest things that you could do for a preacher when you have them over or when you're talking with them, don't ask them to pray. You pray. I mean, no difference. You pray. I don't know how to pray. Bull. It's your father. Talk to him. 
I mean, really talk to Somehow we make it so mechanical. Somehow we, you know, I don't have the right words. Or I haven't said it in the right format. Or I haven't said it in the right way. Forget it. Tell him your heart. That's all he wants to know. He knows it. But he wants to fellowship with you that way. See him as a person. And see yourself as a child. That's how God wants you to see you. And some of the prayers we're teaching our kids are just absolutely crazy. i got to tell you. Having a son in college is killing us. It's just absolutely killing us, not just financially, though that's part of it. I mean, we have two. We have a daughter in college, and it's great. She knows something we'll call text messages. She has a cell phone that calls in and out, you know. And I have a son that's a freshman in college, and, and who, I think he's in college. I'm pretty sure he's up there. I mean, I haven't heard any reports yet that he's missing or and. You know, things are happening in his life. There's things that, there was a game yesterday, you know. My daughter has a game. She's calling me. She's telling me about it. I'm loving it. This is great. Give me every detail. As a matter of fact, I watched it online. And I still wanted every detail. Son, not a word. I'm texting him, calling him. I mean, seriously, my last call was like, oh, just forget it. Good and unconditional love, isn't it? But I tell you, it's during this passage on wrestling with prayer that I understand, listen, God sees us. He knows what's going. He's doing more than watching online. He's with us. But I long to know my son's heart. I long to know it. I long to know it. How, how, do, you, how do you feel? What's, what, what do you, what's going on? Commune with me. I long for it. What happened? Listen, the Father's up there saying, I'm a person who loves you. Call me Father. I want to know your heart. I want to know every detail. I know it. I've watched it. But I want to know. I want to commune. See him as personal. Get into your closet. He says this. Get into your closet. Spend time with me and call me Daddy. Well, we don't see God as personal. second thing is we don't see God as present. Our Father in heaven Psalm 139 tells us that we're asked the question, where can we go from God's presence? Where can we flee? Nowhere, absolutely nowhere. Can the darkness hide us? Can we get away from God and maybe in the darkness of our sin and trying to block him out of the way? He says, even the darkness is light to me. There's nowhere that you can go apart from me. So when we pray, he is present. You don't have to tell him where you are. I mean, I love this about our prayer sometimes. Dear Lord, we got, well, I'm in a meeting right now. I'm in a meeting, uh, uh, heading to a meeting. It's at 2 o'clock. It's with Jim, Frank, and, and Susie. Uh, we're going to discuss this new contract. And he likes those things. But listen, the bottom line is he knows those things, okay? And sometimes it's like we're giving a report. Uh, God, I, I got this today. And it, here's, here's, here's what God's saying. I'm present. I know. Tell me your soul. Tell, listen, tell me how you're feeling. I'm not talking he's about a big counselor. It's not it, but it's, it's lifting our heart to him. God, I'm scared about this meeting. I might lose my job. And it scares me to death because I don't know how I'm going to support my family. God, I think you're revealing to me that my identity is wrapped up in this and it really scares me. And God, can you help me? God, I, I got to tell you, I feel inadequate with this. I really do. I feel inadequate. I don't think, I, I think that they might see that I'm a sham. They might know I'm faking it. God, I'm really scared. My marriage seems really hurting right now. She's saying things to me that she never said before. God, my kids. God, what's, what's happening? I feel so inadequate. Some, for some reason, God, my, my identity is tied into my parenting. What's wrong with me? Can you help me? Because somehow when my kids mess up, I'm feeling like I'm a loser. 
And can you help me with that? Because I know my identity should be in Jesus. So God, can you help me? And, and somehow if I don't get this job that I'm interviewing God, can you remind me that you're enough? Can you remind me that I'm not trying out today? Can you remind me that my worth isn't wrapped up if we win this game or if we lose this game? God, can you remind me? You see, he is ever-present. And we remember that. Psalm 46.1 says he's an ever-present help in the times of trouble. And we know those foxhole prayers, when things get tough, we cry out. We have great comfort that in the trouble, he's there. But guess what? In every situation, he's there. Every single one you find yourself, he is there. And he wants to talk to you and through you, through prayer, in that situation. He's present. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. You don't see God is holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy would be your name. We should be continually praising God for his blessed otherness. That God is holy and separate from all of creation. All of creation right now, Scripture tells us, is singing His praises. Right now, the Rockies are singing. I'm not talking about the Colorado Rockies. I'm talking about the mountain range Rockies are singing His praises. Right now, the seas are singing His praises. All of creation is speaking of an amazing Creator. Listen to Him. Listen to Him through creation. Listen to Him through one another. And I'm not talking about some mystical thing here. Bible tells us that. And so we should be living our lives saying, blessed be your name, Lord. Look at that. Look at, look at the beauty of the sunset. Blessed be your name. Look at the beauty of the sunset. Blessed be your name. Look at the amazing uh, imagination of my kids. Blessed be your name. Look at the beauty of my spouse. Blessed be your name. Look at the brokenness of my life, and yet you still love me. Blessed be your name. We should live our lives praising Him that God revealed His name to us. What an amazing God to come down. I'm going to share with you my name. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to reveal to you my character and what I have done. We should be living our lives walking through life saying, Blessed be the name of God Almighty. Praise Him for it. Praise Him that He shared His name with us. John 1.12 said that for all those who have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, that He has given us the right to become children of God. 1 John 3.1 Oh, what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Listen, in Christ Jesus, by His grace and through the blood of Jesus, we sinners have been brought in to His family. He's given us the family name. He's given us the family inheritance. He's given us the family protection. He's taken away the shame and He's given us Jesus. Blessed be that name, huh? Blessed be the name that that we're, we're known as beloved to Him. We should live our lives saying, blessed be the name of God because He shared it with me and that's my name. That's what covers me. That's what robes me. Blessed be His name. I'm going to live my life. And I know there's some days I'm not going to feel it. I know some days are going to be very difficult, but blessed be the name. And listen, with that, we should protect the name. We should protect the name of Jesus. Listen for the name of Jesus. You're going to hear it all over the place. In the name of God, sometimes it's going to be used in the most profane ways. We are to be the ones who say, holy is His name. Protect it. Pray for those who are misusing it. We don't see God as important. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
I realize that I could gauge how closely I listen to something as how important it really is. If you're giving me directions to your house and I'm not really coming, I'll give you a, uh-huh, mm-hmm, okay, right there. And I'm not writing anything down. Yeah, right, ever. Mm-hmm, that's great. Now, you want to come to the party? Yeah, yeah, we might come. But if, if there's real great intentionality, if you're going to tell me some details that are really important in my life, I'm going to listen. I'm going to write, let me read that back to you. Let me make sure I got this right. Now, the prayer that, that Jesus told us to pray is to say this, that, that God's kingdom is more important than our kingdom. That his will is more important than our will. That what God wants to do with the earth is more important than what I want to do with the earth. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is basically saying, God, I need to listen to you because this is important. Because I may not know how to do it. How do you want me to live? Teach me. Am I doing it right? Do we really think that God is important? God tells us that we're the A plan to advance Christ's kingdom. We should be continually asking, am I doing the right thing? You see, your prayer life will show you what's important to you. Your prayer life and my prayer life will show us what kingdom we're really building. For too many of us, our prayers are these. God, would you bless me? God, would you bless me so I could have more? Or God, would you bless me and what I'm trying to do? And God, will you bless this job? And God, will you bless this? And will you bless that? God, will you be just this cosmic blessing machine? God, will you be like a Pez dispenser for me so I can come to you and I can can say the right thing and pop out while you give me what I think I need for my life, my kingdom? Can you just keep me happy and comfortable? And can you not mess with me a whole lot? And God, can you just really bless me and my investments right now? It's a really tough time. And can you bless? Can you bless? Can you bless? Or are we saying, God, would you bless your name? I mean, God, will you advance your kingdom? God, will you take me and will you align me to your will? And I know that that might hurt. And I know that that might have me say that I got to repent of things and change some things. Do we really see that God is important? Do we really see that God is provider? Do we really see that God has given us this day our daily bread? Let me ask you a tough question. What do you really need from God on a daily basis? Honestly. What do you really need from God? Until you believed like Jesus believed, listen, until you believed like Jesus believed, that he depended on the Father for everything, you're not going to have much of a prayer life. It's true. Jesus said, I can do nothing without the Father. Therefore, he had a praying heart. Therefore, he would get away and sometimes pray all night to the Father. It was good enough for God's unique only Son. But our self-sufficiency is killing us when it comes to God as provider. I love what Spurgeon said. Listen to this Spurgeon quote. I conceive, I conceive that the outward sin, those bad sins that we can see, is not more abhorred by our God than the most wicked sin of reliance on ourselves. Man, that just makes me stop and say, really? I mean, God finds it repugnant of my self-sufficiency? Yeah. Father wants us dependent. 
Father wants us to acknowledge that we could do nothing apart from ourselves. Nothing. Nothing. If you have daily bread, it's because he has given you ability to breathe and to move and to do those things you do to earn a living or whatever. Listen, we depend on him for the next breath. We depend on him for the next heartbeat. We depend on him for truthfully everything, yet we treat him like we depend on him for very, very little. Maybe some life insurance at the end of life would be good. God, at the end of this deal, you know, if my heart does stop today, heaven forbid, will you take my soul? I mean, we laughed at that, but I want you to take my soul. I don't keep on living. Again, this this is where we just come smack against culturally what God has for us as provider. I, I had lunch with this Haitian pastor recently. And, you know, these pastors come to America and they want to have education. They want to learn from American pastors. What a joke. And... And they come, I had lunch with this guy. I was like, hey, Charlie, tell me about your weekly schedule. You know, I was looking to see what his study day was, what his day off was, you know, how he did things. He's like, well, starts telling me his daily schedule. He said, well, we fast and pray on Thursdays. I said, excuse me? Well, we fast and pray on Thursdays. And if we haven't gotten what we need, we continue to fast and pray on Fridays. And and some of those times turned into Saturdays. And of course, we we have prayer service on Wednesdays. I'm thinking... What in the world? He said, we don't pray. We can't survive. I mean, we're looking to God for our daily needs. And I sat there and said, Charlie, you know Jesus in ways I long to know him. You know him. I mean, there's some utter dependence upon Jesus that somehow in our materialistic, wealthy society, let's be honest, right? Somehow it doesn't make us need Jesus that much. we got to look at to say, do we really need him. We need him for everything. George Mueller, the 18th century orphanage director, never asked for support. He only prayed for it. Never asked for support. Only went to pray. Listen, God has given us everything we have. Let's at least thank him for that. We don't see God as Savior. Next point. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Big sinners pray big prayers. For God to forgive them. Small sinners pray small prayers. And the reality is, is the closer we get to Jesus, the more dirt we should see. And the truth is, we're all sinners. Daily. You know, we, can't, we can't keep a holy thought together for 10 seconds. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. If you know you're a big sinner, you'll have an amazing prayer life. We don't see God as leader. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do we really surrender control to Jesus? If we did, we'd be in prayer. That's what he's calling us to. In everything, leader of your life. And we don't see God as ultimate. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have to ask the very difficult question, are we living for God's glory? Is that the reason we exist? If we were living for the advancement of Christ's kingdom and God's glory, what a prayerful life we would have. I just think we have spiritual blindness. I know I do. And I know that God's working hard on my heart. I think the call of this message again today is we've got to start off by repenting. Do we really have a praying heart? And ask God to say, God, break our hearts and make them a praying heart. Give us a prayerful life. 
Listen, if you're here and you're not a Christian, the, the, the message isn't to try harder and buck up. It's never the Christian message. And it isn't add these things onto your life and Jesus will love you. No, 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 no. It's ask God for a new heart. He gives those. And he loves you and he brings you into the family. That's the message if you're here and you're not his. But if you're here and you're his, the question is, what, do you, what is God working in your life? What is he showing you as spiritual blindness? Jim Fix should have seen this coming. He had a family history. He had a propensity toward it. Where is your history of your life showing your spiritual blindness? So we went over that list. What is the Spirit of God put on you and say, that's you? Pick one. Say, God, help me with this. All right, we have a few things again for you on this journey. If you look in your bulletin this week, you'll see uh, we have a prayer guide Monday through Friday. Um, it's kind of set up uh, like prayer, pray, repent, ask, and you, and, and then the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is in your bulletin. It's Monday through Friday. We would love to have you do that. Now, what is not in here, which is very important, every day, listen to me, every day this week, it'll be on the web, at 7 a.m., every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 7 a.m., we're going to be in the courtyard for anyone who wants to come and pray. We're going to say, God, we want to we have a praying heart. And if you can give us a day, if you can come and be with us, that is wonderful. We would love, love to have you. It'll be informal, but we'll be praying at that time. We'll help you. If you look at the bottom of this insert, uh, you will see that there are some homes listed in different areas. Uh, those homes will be open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from 7 p.m. to 7.30. It's not a social time. There'll be no food or drink there. Uh, this is a time just to get together with those in your neighborhood and come pray. Let me encourage you to do that. In the lobby, you will, as you go out uh, today, you will find a 24-hour prayer list. We're going to ask Orangewood to be a church in prayer for 24 hours, starting at midnight Friday through midnight Saturday. And we'll give you things to pray for uh, so we can be specific in our prayers and our requests to God. Uh, if you can sign up for an hour, say, God, develop in me a prayer life, uh, a life of prayer, you can sign up there as well. Next Sunday, next Sunday night, we're going to have a prayer time right here. It's going to be amazing. You want to come. We'll have some elders here with oil to pray over some of you. There'll be a chance to be prayed for and a chance to pray. That's next Sunday night at 5.30 to 6.30. Uh, this Sunday night, remember, we're back here discussing Sabbath. What is a Sabbath heart? So if you missed last week, there'll be some material outside for you of what we did last week. Similar to this week, grab it on the way out and come back. We've already gotten RSVPs from a number of you who are coming. We're so excited. But if you didn't RSVP, it doesn't matter. Come. We need you here this Sunday night and next Sunday night. God is calling us to have this heart of prayer, a praying heart. And he's raised up a few of us in the congregation who have a praying heart. And I love their praying hearts because when I need it, I call and say, will you pray for these things? One of them is Ansley, Ansley Scripture. I've kind of, I'm asked Ansley to come up and share a little bit about what God has taught her in developing her heart of prayer or her prayer life or her life of prayer. So Ansley, thanks for coming and sharing. Um, I think that that was right there. Thanks, Jack. Hi. Um, the only reason I agreed to do this when Jeff asked me to come up and share my testimony about prayer is because Jesus himself has accomplished a prayer life in me 
from start to finish. It has had really nothing to do with me. And I used to think that prayer had everything to do with me. I used to think that it was whether I was eloquent enough or whether I was disciplined enough or um, even focused enough. And for those of you who know me, really none of those things are naturally a part of my personality. I am, um, can be quite all over the place and a free spirit, so to speak. So trying to be focused and disciplined is, can be a challenge. Well, part of my story is that my mother, who I think is here today, um, was just the definition in my mind of a prayer warrior. And whenever I was growing up, from just the time I was a very little girl, everybody in our community would go to her to pray and to ask her for prayer, and they knew that they could count on her for prayer. But see, my mom had a very, and still does, have a very different personality than me. She just was the epitome of the gentle and quiet spirit. She had so much ability to focus, and and routine was natural for her, and self-discipline, she was just the most self-disciplined woman I knew. So I just figured, you know what? God must just not have prayer in mind for me. That just must be prayer in mind for her, and he's going to use me in some other way. So then, um, about 18 months ago, I started sensing God pursuing me in prayer, and I didn't know. I thought it was the other way around. I thought we were supposed to pursue God in prayer. But I, I started hearing his voice saying, Ansley, come join me. I am going to transform what you consider to be the weakest part of your spiritual life. And basically, trust me. I am calling you to do this and to serve me in prayer. And I'm going to enable you to do it. So... I um, I would he- basically it just started very simply. I would hear his voice to come join him, and then he would tell me what to pray, and then help me to sit and pray it, and then he would answer the prayer. So none of it really ever had, again, anything to do with me. And as I started listening, and he as he showed me what to pray, I realized what he was really doing was just showing me what was on his heart for my life. And then I got started getting to know him better, and our intimacy grew and our fellowship grew, which was really exciting for me. He um, brought a friend and mentor into my life to disciple me, and the Lord showed her that one of the very best forms of discipleship is prayer. And so we would go before his throne together and see what he had for us. If I voiced something, a pain or a struggle to her, she wouldn't try to answer me by giving me her best experience or life experience because sometimes that form of discipleship can be horizontal. And instead, she would just say, let's go before Jesus and see what he has for you. And so we would. And at first, I didn't believe he was going to be there. You know, at first, I'm like, no, 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 you just need to tell me what you think is the best. And she said, no, we're going to go to Jesus and ask him. And to my great surprise, he, he answered. But he didn't answer how I always thought he would. He, he didn't answer in the way that was necess- always specific to my circumstances or my struggle. But he would answer by showing me more of himself and showing me more of who he was, and creating more of himself in me. 
And that was totally different than what I was expecting. So then it started hitting me that prayer was not just grasping up to God for answers, but prayer was God pursuing me with the answer and that it was intimate communion and fellowship with the answer. And that the answer is the person of Jesus Christ. So my, it was just kind of all, my understanding of prayer was just turned upside down, basically. And the most exciting part of all of it was that I realized what was going on during these intimate times of communion and fellowship was an incredible exchange. And that exchange was all that was false and broken in me was being exchanged for what was true and whole in Jesus. And so when I would enter into that communion with him, it was just this continual exchange for those things. And then prayer became synonymous with the word healing for me. And healing not just of my physical body, but of my inmost being and of my deepest part of my soul. He is healing me during that communion. So rather than sitting there and trying to grasp for these perfect words to say, he was opening my heart to grasp his love for me. And to know that love is to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that promise in scripture began to come true in my life through prayer. So prayer has, is becoming more of a way of life for me, because when the definition of prayer is intimate communion with Jesus, it, it really is all of life, and it can be all of life. So um, God continues to surprise me with how he, his spirit wants to minister to others through me in prayer. And if I ever thought for one second that it had to do with what an awesome prayer I was, I would run and hide, um, because I'm just not capable. But He continues to give me confidence in him and show me this is all about me. So then that gives me great freedom and confidence to continue to walk down that path with him. Let's let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for raising up those like Ansley that realize that prayer is this intimate communion with Jesus that... Really, she's saying, Lord, take my life and heal it, and heal it from the, the depths. Use it. And Father, come, and, and as you have called me into your presence, you've called me and you put these things on my heart. Thank you for uh, just revealing yourself to Ansley in new and fresh ways. Thank you for the life of prayer that she has, and what an encouragement it is to me. And God, may it be an encouragement to all of us. May all of us say, God, you've made us for your glory. You're calling us into a deep communion with you through Jesus. God, may you come and work powerfully in our life so we could live for you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.